This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome, everybody, to Behind the Braves, presented by Jostens. Uh, We are coming to you from a new area. We've never recorded here before. We're still in Truist Park, but we're recording in the Hank Aaron Terrace this week. Uh, We thought it would be kind of a cool change of pace, A, but also B, with today's guest, we wanted to sit somewhere in a room with a little bit of Hank Aaron history in it, and well, the Hank Aaron Terrace is the perfect place for that. We're sitting just a few feet away from the bat and the ball from home run number 715, and I figured this was a good setting for our guest. This is a guy who I first found this guy. His name's Jeff Wilson. Uh, His company's called Sports Card Investors. I first discovered his YouTube videos, I don't know, a year or two ago, and it's exactly what you would think it is in the title it's all about collecting cards and baseball cards basketball football whatever it is you're interested in sports cards but you people who've listened to the show have heard us talk about and i know i've mentioned it on here before just how i collect a lot of virginia basketball and i've had a whole ton of braves cards throughout the years i bought a special set from the world series last year to keep and so i discovered jeff's videos on youtube a while back and i saw he's got a big following on youtube on social media has a website and a whole business based around this thing and then somewhere along the way i was watching these videos and in one video he said something about something the effect of well here in our offices in atlanta and i went Oh, I didn't know he was based here. I just uh, happened to stumble upon his video. So I thought uh, it could be kind of a cool cool thing to reach out to them and see if he'd be interested in coming down here to the ballpark and just talking about baseball cards and sports cards and the market and he's got a lot of cool apps and is very heavily involved in that whole world he's been an entrepreneur for a while has had started a lot of businesses but uh sports card investors is mm. his big thing now and uh yeah so i thought it'd be kind of a, a cool conversation to have with him which which it was what what uh what did you think of uh, our conversation with jeff well you know, obviously, he's uh, highly knowledgeable of what's going on in, in that marketplace. And um, I, I, I mean, he just kind of the same conversations I was having with, with Slade, my son. And, you know, of course, his was all about Pokemon and everything. But um, it's amazing how he saw the market changing back in 2018, 2019, when he saw it was getting ready to take off. And um, I'm always fascinated about that, how people can see in an industry and, and kind of get a sense of timing and, and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, to be able to make a business out of this Like, you know, I loved what he was saying about be careful about your hobby. So, you know, his timing in the marketplace and then being able to see opportunities to create software uh, and all the things he's doing. I I just love that kind of stuff. And I I would have loved to have been an entrepreneur. You know, that's really kind of wasn't my thing, but I know my son's really interested in it. So it was it was great hearing his feedback on that. I just love that somebody decided to become an entrepreneur in, in this and something that mm-hmm. for me is still a hobby that I love. Like for me, I'm 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 going to the as you'll hear me talk about in the interview, I'm going to the, the National Sports Convention, Sports Collectors Convention this summer with my buddies. And for us, it's it's like. Maybe we got a couple things we'll sell here and there, but like my one buddy is a diehard Baltimore Orioles fan, so he's probably going to buy some Orioles stuff there. I'm a 
Braves fan, obviously, and a Virginia basketball fan. So if I see anything there that piques my interest, I'll just add it to my own collection. <laughs> but even for somebody like me that it's it's I collect and it's just there for me, there is, especially if you're getting into some of the more valuable cards, there is something to be said for, well, at some point down the line when I'm gone, this might be something that will have value for my kids, either for them to keep or maybe there'll be something monetarily there that they can, you know, I can't, t- well, I guess I could take them with me, but they're not going <laughs> to yeah. do anybody any good just <laughs> chilling next to me for eternity. So, <laughs> so um, but it just, it's really, really fascinating to me that Jeff was able to turn this into such a, a mm. cool and lucrative business. Yeah. So, yeah. Fascinating. Let's get right into it then. Here he is, Jeff Wilson. Well, Jeff, thank you for joining us here, and thank you for driving all the way down here to Truist Park to hang out with us this morning. We're here in the Hank Aaron Terrace. We thought if we're having the sports card investor on, I'm going to wage a bet that (laughs) Hank Aaron's name will come up in our discussion of baseball cards, so why not record in the same room as the the bat and the ball from home run number 715, right? Absolutely. It's only only fitting. Right. Very happy to be here. Appreciate the opportunity. Well, I've been a fan of yours for a while now. I've watched your videos. I've watched Sports Card Investor on YouTube. I've got all all the apps. I've got the, the market movers. I've got the hits app is my favorite. And we can get into all that in a little bit. But um, for the folks listening, just tell us a little bit about Sports Card Investor, you know, your background in business, what led you to, to starting this company and, and where you are now. Yeah. So I was a big card collector when I was a kid, as many people were, collected a ton of baseball cards in the 1980s. In fact, I think I've got probably the full Braves team from most of those sets in 86, 87, 88, 89, 90, 91. But then, like a lot of people, I kind of lost touch with it and, you know, went off to went off to college and became interested in other things. And about five years ago, my older son um, was just getting into the age where he started to show a little bit of interest in it. And he actually came home from my mom's house, his grandmother's house, with uh, some football cards one day she had bought for him. And she had bought them for him because she said, your dad used to like these when he was a kid. And so he came home and I, I looked at it. He, he brought some packs. And I said, God, you know, honestly, I didn't even know they made them anymore. Like I, <laughs> I totally, completely lost touch with them other than I still have my old collection in my attic. So, you know, I opened some packs with him and they got me pulling out my old cards and that got me kind of looking back into it again. And I, you know, being older now and, and, and having started and run a whole lot of different businesses uh, over the years, I looked at this and I said, oh my gosh, I think this is about to explode in popularity again. And this was 2018. Hmm. Um, and I said, I really feel like there's business opportunity and investment opportunity written all over this. I, and it was, it was a combination of factors that made me feel that way. Part of which was just simply the nostalgia of me believing that there would be a lot of people my age who, you know, were in it as a kid and were going to get brought back into it again because of their kids or because of hearing about it from friends or, you know, whatever that may be. Um, and then there's so many things about card collecting today that are different and better than when I was a kid. You've got grading now. You've got a lot of liquidity through online marketplaces like eBay. Um, you've got uh, uh, you, the way they manufacture cards today, I find is more enticing and compelling and they manufacture scarcity into the cards. There's a lot of really interesting things about it. So I went back into it and I, I, I said, you know what? I've got a bunch of business ideas 
uh, that could be launched into the sports card market. Um, but let me first start by creating some content because if, if I can get people to watch content I'm putting out, uh, then that kind of validates the, you know, the, the concept that, hey, there's a lot of other people that are mm-hmm. going to be interested in this. And likewise, it gives me an audience to be able to market products to that I come out with in the future. So I started a YouTube show called Sports Card Investor, summer 2019, and it quickly became popular. We got a lot of subscribers uh, pretty quickly. And that was prior to the pandemic hitting. But once the pandemic hit, then of course, that even accelerated all of it further, mm-hmm. collecting of all types. Uh, just absolutely boomed in popularity during the pandemic uh, as people were home and looking for things to do. So today we've got an audience uh, across you know YouTube, all the different social media platforms, our website, etc. We have an uh, we have a big audience uh, over 300,000 who watch us or listen to us or you know the stuff we put out routinely, um, and uh, we love it. We keep doing it. Tell us a little bit about all right. There's I mentioned the apps there, but I want to get plug those because particularly I love the Hits app, Greg. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm going to get you to download it. All right. Uh, it's basically, well, you know what? Instead of me trying to explain it, why don't I have the man who created <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, that's right. That's just tell our listeners a little bit about your apps that you have out there. Yeah, well, the Hits the Hits app's a free app. It's a fun one we did. It's uh, people, it's breakers, uh, professional breakers pulling big cards out of packs. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of an endless video reel of, uh, you know, in some cases, very valuable cards. In some cases, million dollar plus cards getting pulled out of packs for the very first time. And then, of course, you see the reaction of the person who pulled the card out of the pack. So that's kind of a fun one to go through. That's called the Hits app. The main app that I would suggest that everybody start with who has any interest in sports cards, baseball cards at all, is the Sports Card Investor app. It's completely free. It's in the app store. You just search for Sports Card Investor. And what it does is we've cataloged about uh, 600,000 of the most popular sports cards. And you can you can look by player. You can look by year, you know, that type of thing. You can look by sport and you could just swipe through and see all of the popular cards from that, you know, year, player, sport, whatever you're looking at. And it shows you what the current prices are, what they've sold for in the market recently, what the best deals are right now on buying that card. So it's a great, you know, it's a great easy to use app, the sports card investor app. And then we have another one called Market Movers, which is a more serious data analytics tool for people who are actually, you know, have, are investing significant money into their collections. Mm. Well, that, that kind of leads me to my question. And as I was looking at this one company that you started called Dibs. Yep. Is that how I pronounce it correctly? So um, it has to do with NFTs, Mm -hmm. which is something I've been interested in, in kind of the whole blockchain technology and something we've talked as an organization about. And of course, with the history that we have with great alumni, Major League Baseball kind of dabbling, they're not going as quickly as we we would hope that they would. But um, you can invest in portions of cards. So right. uh, so is it like uh, Tops that's taking the 1957 Bowman of, you know, Gale Sayers or whatever, and, and they're selling that NFT in portions because of the price is so expensive that they can sell off? How is that working? Yeah, that's what Dibs is doing. Yeah, I was I was an early investor, didn't found it, but was one of the early investors. And I like the concept because the concept was exactly that. It was, let's take cards that are more expensive that may not be accessible to everybody in terms of purchasing and then and then divide it up into fractions and then um, sell the fractions and they use the blockchain you know to be nfts and that type of thing to help prove ownership of who's got what um, and so I think it's a cool concept it allows you know it allows you to own a 
a piece of a card, hmm. um, even you know a, a, a card that may be a, a kind of what people call a, a holy grail card, which is a card that you know people would just aspire to. You know, I'd love to have that card in my collection. But in many cases, these holy grail type cards are hundreds of thousands of dollars, and in some cases, they're millions of dollars. And so, obviously, that's not accessible. You know, to a lot of people, aren't necessarily willing to drop that on a single card. But if you could own one one thousandth of a card, then you own a share, you know, essentially of a card and you can, you can, you know, sell that share. You could buy and sell shares of cards of, and I think it's kind of an attractive way to get, to get people, uh, you know, to participate. Is it just one card? So if it's Bowman, they have to, whoever has the rights to Bowman, which I assumed is tops, they can reproduce that, their original card in an NFT. And so that's the only one that's sold because obviously if if I own that card, I can't create an NFT um, because I'm not the the manufacturer of that card. Is that how it works? Well, actually, so this is a little different. The way that, uh, the way that dibs works is it's backed by the physical asset. So it's actually not tops that would be submitting the card to, you know, to have it. So if I have the card, I can create my own NFT of that card and sell it. So what you would do is you would send it in this case to dibs and dibs puts it into their vault. And so they, they, they have the card in their vault to ensure ownership and then they tokenize it. It's like backed by the gold standard. Correct. That's exactly what it is. So they take that card and then they turn it into like, let's say a thousand or 10,000 individual fractions and the cards in the vault. And so then, uh, you know, then all the different people with the fractions own a piece of that card, but the card's sitting securely in the vault. If anyone ever acquires 51% of the fractions, then they can, then they can buy out the other, the rest of it. They can do like a forced buyout if you get 51%. So there's a way for the, you know, for the cards to leave the vault and go back to somebody if they buy out all the shares of it. Very interesting. Now, um, my son, right before the pandemic really got into he was uh well probably years before he was in vi- into vinyl so he was going to all the goodwill stores buying vinyl trading vinyl all that kind of stuff then he got into pokemon because when he was a kid that was the big the big card pokemon cards well then uh during the pandemic he has a case like that where he was buying hundreds of pokemon cards from japan and turn around selling it. he became this entrepreneur and, and and so i was just fascinated that he was making a living a good living selling Pokemon cards and these are all mint and getting them graded, sending them off and doing all that kind of stuff. And he's since, I feel like that since he's moved through vinyl and Pokemon and now he's actually into filming with drones, he's learned to fly and build his own. But being a young entrepreneur like him, uh, what kind of advice would you give him? I mean, he's in his early 20s, but uh, mid-20s, I guess, and um, and really kind of a budding entrepreneur. And, and I've seen him kind of evolve into different things. What advice would you give him to um, as he's kind of starting his career? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, first of all, I love hearing the story about Pokemon cards because I feel like whether it's sports cards or other types of trading cards like Pokemon, there's some real entrepreneurial lessons to be learned if you're buying and selling and trading and doing that type of thing. I think sport, I'm a big believer that sports cards are a wonderful way for kids to learn a little bit about business, finance, entrepreneurship, et cetera. And so I, I, I have my sons actively 
participating, you know, I bring them to card shows. I, you know, I do that type of thing uh, because, and, and I encourage other kids to do the same because I think it's a great way for them to cut their teeth. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, they're going to, if they can figure out how to buy a card for, for 10 bucks and then go sell it to somebody for 20 bucks, you know, that's a great, that's a great lesson. And sometimes they'll buy a card for 20 bucks and then realize no one wants to pay more than five <laughs> bucks for it. Right. And, <laughs> and that's also a great lesson, <laughs> yes, you know? Yes. Uh, so it's, I think it's a great training ground for entrepreneurship. And, you know, I feel like a lot of the, I've started 14 different businesses over the years. And I feel like a lot of the entrepreneurial lessons, you know, came from me starting to do that, you know, as in, in, in cards when I was a kid. Mm. Um, you know, in terms of like just general entrepreneurship advice, like one thing that I'm, I'm a big proponent of entrepreneurship. One reason why I love it is because the upside is asymmetric to the downside. So what that means is there, and, and there's very few things you could do in life that are like this. If you put $50,000 or $100,000 into starting a business of some type, if it goes really, really well, it's potential that that could grow into millions of dollars or or even tens or hundreds of millions of dollars if it goes extremely well, right? If it goes poorly, you lose your 50 or $100,000 that you put in to start it and some time, right? And so if you think about, well, what, you know, most types of investments, you know, you put in $100,000 and you're you're thrilled to get, you know, $200,000 back out of it a few years later, that would be a great return. Mm -hmm. But with a business, you could turn 100,000 into 10 million, you know, if, and so the upsides, so I like, but of course, failure rate is high too, you know, and it's, it's, you have a lot of businesses that don't work out. And I've had a number of businesses that I've started that haven't worked out. And so you have to be aware of that. But if you are able to, if you're able to position yourself to take multiple at bats, then you have a greater and greater chance of getting mm-hmm. a hit. And so for entrepreneurship for me is a commitment to be willing to take multiple at bats and to not let you know, any one failure capsize your mission and desire to continue to do more and more. You have to be very agile. You have to, you have to kind of divorce your emotion. <laughs> you know, you have to, th- if you, people who get really emotional about money, they get emotional about losing money or they get emotional about failure and they, they don't want to talk about failure. They want to hide failure. You got to get rid of that. Mm-hmm. to be a successful entrepreneur. Instead, you kind of got to embrace failure. You got to realize, hey, this is part of the process. It's going to happen to me sometimes. Not everything I try is going to work out. What's important is that I get the next step bad and I get the next step bad after that. And then likewise, money, you know, not everything I do is going to work out money-wise and that's okay, you know, but you've got to have the opportunity to, to hopefully try it multiple mm-hmm. times and do it. And then eventually, hopefully, you'll get one that has that type of asymmetric return. Well, I think I referenced this recently on an episode of Behind the Braves. I got, as a third grader, uh, when I first became aware that baseball cards were something that even existed and that I could collect, um, a, a guy in my class had a couple of Braves cards, and I was growing up in Virginia watching the Braves on TBS every night because that was the only baseball game that was on on TV at that time in the 90s. Uh, and I got fleeced in a deal. <laughs> I gave up three G.I. Joes for like, – it was one G.I. Joe per card. So value-wise, I got fleeced <laughs> looking back on – but I still have those cards, and even though they're probably not worth much of anything, they're – they have meaning to me just because there was like first cards I ever got. But there's a zillion, you know, the junk wax era, the 80s, 90s, there's a zillion of those cards out there. But to me, they still have kind of a special place because that's when I first got into it. Like those 91, 92 tops are like, those are always going to be special to me. So 
what I was curious about, what were the kind of those first ones that inspired your love of collecting? Like what are some of the as a kid that kind of just have a special place in your heart? Sure. Well, for me, the chase card, uh, a couple of chase cards that I remember. So, you know, 87, uh, 86, 87, I was getting into it real heavily. It was Will Clark mm-hmm. uh, and Bo Jackson were the two that I was really after That's those right. years. That's right yeah. there with me too. The, the light blue flare. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. So those, those, you know, uh, those were big ones. Mm-hmm. And then the ultimate chase card was the 1989 Ken Griffey Jr. Upper Deck. Mm, yep. And so that was the yep. one. And I never, never pulled it, opened up a whole bunch of packs trying to find it, never pulled it. But you see, that's a kind of the neat thing. Like I've got, so I actually have that card here. I've got a oh. couple copies of it. So as, a, um, as an adult now, I can go back and buy the cards that I wanted as a kid, <laughs> right. but you know, never was able to afford. So I've got oh, wow. two copies of that 89 Ken Griffey Jr. So... Um, so this is the card in a PSA 10, a PSA 10 is a perfect grade. So it's encapsulated in a PSA, uh, slab and it's graded a 10, which this card is difficult to get in a 10 grade. There's uh, I think a few thousand of them in a 10 grade, but compared to the total number of these cards, there's rumors that there was a million of these cards printed. Wow. So for, you know, only a few thousand got a 10 grade. So that makes this card valuable. So this card is, uh, I think around $2,000, maybe just shy of $2,000 in a 10 grade now. In a lower grade, not very much at all. Uh, Be less than $100, you know, if it were a couple grades down. But in a 10 grade, it's it's around $2,000. But then... And that's the iconic. It's the that's the that image you've seen a zillion times. It is, but it's just so cool. Every time you see one, especially a ten, I've never seen a ten. Yeah, before. and that's then this incredible. one, this one's more special, and this one I really love. This one is the same card in a ten grade as well, but Ken Griffey Jr. has autographed it. The autograph also has a ten grade, so it's a ten ten. It's a dual ten. It's a ten card and a ten autograph. Hmm. Um, there's less than a hundred of these in existence. Um, okay. I can't remember the exact number. I think it's closer to maybe around 50. Did they um, do the autograph or did you get it autographed? I did not get it autographed. Okay. Somebody, somebody along the way got this okay. card autographed, but it's particularly tough to have it autographed mm-hmm. and in a 10 grade because, um, a lot of times when, I mean, first of all, it's hard to find an integrate in general, but then second of all, the process of actually getting a card autographed by the player, oftentimes during that process, the card gets damaged. It gets mm-hmm. dinged up. The player grabs it, squeezes the corners or hands it back. The edge smears gets bent. Smears the autograph. Smears the autograph. <laughs> so, I, you know, that, that to me, this one is, in, you know, even more special because mm-hmm. it is more rare. Um, and of course he, you know, he actually autographed it. So those are, pretty cool. those are kind of some, some really neat, you know, cards from that particular mm-hmm. era. And I mentioned Bo Jackson, that's his 1986 tops traded rookie card, but once again, uh-huh. autographed by Bo Jackson and it's got the 10, 10 grade. So this one, I think there's only about 30 of that wow. exist in the world. I've always thought that 86 tops that I still think to me, that's one of the coolest looking designs that the, the tops or any baseball card has ever had. I just something about that, the bold and mm-hmm. in the, in the, yeah. the team color at the top. I've always just loved that. I think yeah. it's one of the classic, one of the best, best, best designs tops. I mean, he's had. got the best neck in baseball. Too. He's got that too. He's Bo, plus he's Bo Jackson. That makes the car look cool I, too. Well, I've told Ricky this story, but when I was being recruited by Tennessee, I went on my official visit and they happened to be playing Auburn and Bo was a senior. Mm. And so I remember Tennessee at the time had like a chain link fence between first base and the stands had to be like 
10 or 15 yards away and Bo hit a ball and he comes running and he's at first base and I'm literally standing right by the fence at first base and I'm looking at him thinking I I don't know how I could ever get him out (laughs) I mean and then the ball was hit and he went first to third and literally when they say a Mack truck with a Ferrari engine that's exactly what he was and I'm you know uh, my brother was a football player and he was a linebacker and he had to tackle Herschel Walker but I can't imagine having to you know tackle that guy at a full speed and because he was just a beast and then on the baseball field he could he could crush a ball so pretty interesting but yeah so Bo was Bo was pretty special yeah special special player for sure when so that and that was the that was the ultimate chase card there the Bo Jackson for you that was the yeah oh no I'm sorry the, the Griffey, the Ken Griffey more Griffey so the, yeah, yeah right. but, Bo, but right. Bo Jackson a couple of years prior um, was a big one and you you know, Will Clark was also another real popular guy right. to go after mm-hmm. then. And, and then there were other players who I speculated on because I thought they were going to be big chase cards and then never amounted. Like, I, rem- mm-hmm. I have a whole collection of Juan Gonzalez cards. Mm, right. uh, he was like a hot rookie and I think it was 89 or 1990. Mm. And um, I thought, I for whatever reason, I thought he was going to be the mm-hmm. next big thing. So I bought a ton of his rookie cards, mm. and they're probably worth less today than you know what <laughs> wow. I what right. I paid for him back in 1990. Well, Bonds was right there with him too. Sure, there in 87, 88. Yep. he was about that big around. Yeah, he was. He was a little looks a little different today than he did back then. That's for his sure. His head was a little smaller. A little bit. Well, let's get into uh, <laughs> before we go too deep down that alley. Um, uh, most iconic Braves cards of all time and I mean I think I feel like I know which one is the is the most iconic um but let's get into so, so in your opinion what is what's the most iconic Braves card sure time? I mean I think number one as well as probably number two three four five are Hank Aaron cards right, <laughs> right. and the clear number one is his rookie card which mm-hmm. is 1954 tops um it's an it's an unbelievable card obviously I, you know, just, you know, one of the greatest baseball players of all time. Uh, But what also makes 1954 tops interesting is those cards were, it's very, very difficult to find those cards in a, in a highly rated grade. In fact, uh, PSA 10, meaning a perfect gem mint card, there's only two in existence Mm. of the 1954 tops, Mm. Hank Aaron, only two. The last one sold back in 2012 um, is that, you know, the, the, we haven't seen the other one sell ever, but the last one sold back in 2012 for $358,000 back in 2012. Now, knowing what the sports card market has done between 2012 and today, I mean, I think that that's at least a $5 million card today oh, wow, if it yeah. were to hit the open market. That's incredible. Um, yeah, yeah. And so... Uh, that's definitely his most iconic. And then from there you go, you know, 55 tops, 56 tops. Obviously the prices drop considerably once you get beyond 54, once you get beyond his rookie year. Still expensive. Like, you know, it's still going to set you back tens of thousands of dollars mm-hmm. to get the cards in really, really good condition. You could find any of those cards in lower conditions and they become a lot more affordable in lower conditions. Like the, the 55 tops in a PSA 4, which means that it definitely is going to show signs of wear and tear on the card. It's, you know, it's, it's not a, not a great condition, but still good enough where you can tell, you know, it's, it's, you can tell what card it was. Um, that that's going to be about $600, uh, the 55, the 54, the actual rookie in PSA four right now is around $4,4,500. The 55 is actually, that's if just aesthetically, that's my, always been my favorite of the Hank cards. That's I mentioned to Jeff, before we started recording me and my two best friends are going to the national uh, sports collectors convention this, this summer. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing I've thought about, like if I see and just a, a PSA four, a low graded 55 Hank, that would be one that I'd, 
I would really love to have just because mm. I've always thought that was yeah. my favorite. Any yep. any of those Hank Aaron, old Hank Aaron cards are just, uh, yeah, they're incredible. So okay, so the 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 top five would be would be Hank. Probably, probably Hank right? Aaron. You know, yeah. another another very iconic one. You know, from the era that I was collecting and that I think a lot of people would put in the top ten. You know, maybe short, maybe right after some of those Hank Aaron cards is the uh, 1991 Chipper Jones mm-hmm. Topps Desert Shield card. So. You know, in the early 90s um, and in the late 80s, uh, baseball cards were heavily printed. So a normal Chipper Jones rookie card, not that rare, not that valuable. But in 1991, Topps created a special Desert Storm set. And these cards were um, given to service members who were serving overseas. And that's the only way they were distributed was to service members on bases overseas. And so as a result, there were far fewer of those particular cards produced and not many made it back in perfect condition, as you can imagine. You know, so not, not, not that not only makes them scarce and rare and therefore valuable, but then on top of that, you know, the fact that they were given to service members and tied into the war and everything like that adds a little bit of extra intrigue to those cards. So his 1991 Topps Desert Shield card in PSA 10 in perfect condition, there's only 31 of those in existence, last sold for right around $16,000. So that's, that's another, you know, pretty iconic card. So if you want to try to get the best Chipper Jones card, you know, that's definitely going to be uh, one of the ones you're looking at. Um, um, Deion Sanders, uh, you know, another guy who has had kind of an iconic card, 1990 Upper Deck 20th Anniversary card. This was a very short printed card. Um, it was, uh, I think it was a, a promotional kind of redemption type card. There weren't a whole lot of them made. Um, and so that card uh, typically will sell for $1,500 in a, in a you know really high condition, uh, gem mint type condition of that card. So that's kind of another iconic one. And then you got, you know, other, obviously Eddie Matthews there. In fact, there's an Eddie Matthews, Hank Aaron card from 1959, where the two of them are on the same card. That's a, that's Mm. a popular one. Uh, And then more recently I brought, um, one of my favorite recent cards, um, you know, unfortunately not with the Braves any longer, but Freddie Freeman, Mm -hmm. um, I've got his, um, Let's see, here it is. This is his uh, 2011 Tops Diamond Anniversary card. So that's Freddie Freeman's rookie uh-huh. card from 2011 Tops. And the Diamond Anniversary is just a special edition of that card where, where they gave it kind of a special uh, treatment that year. Um, and uh, these are, are sought after. Um, so this is uh, in a BGS 9.5 grade, um, Gem Mint BGS 9.5 grade. Um, this one, I think, is around currently around $600 or so. So less expensive, obviously, than some of the other cards, um, but a sought-after card nonetheless. And then in more recent years, the, the most popular cards have been Acuna's cards. Right. Um, they've gone for a lot on the secondary market. There's a lot of people that chase his low-numbered cards, his rookie cards, and his first first Bowman prospect cards are real popular ones. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. 
Do they still make full sets, or is it just all specialty cards? I mean, little small subsets yeah, of everything. They do make full sets. They're not as popular anymore. Um, you know, when when I was a kid, uh, it was you know everyone wanted the complete set, and people would go after the set. You could even buy the complete set. Um, it's it, it, some still do that today. There are set collectors out there. Um, and some of the products do still come in a complete set format, but it, it has lost some popularity. Mm. It, people instead tend to go for more the specific cards, you know, that they that they want, and specific types of rare, you know, parallels or rare inserts mm. or that type of thing. Yeah, I remember <clears throat> when I was a rookie, um, Score Select. Mm-hmm. had a special insert i guess they put cards in every other case or something but it had only there was only 13 of us it had a nolan ryan 10 10 salmon tim salmon who was a rookie of the year and then piazza was rookie of the year then there were 10 other of us um that were on different teams and they made it kind of like this special you know mm-hmm. kind of different but i remember going asking my agent hey can you call um score and see if they'll send me the whole set and they did they sent me a really nice little package with all of those cards in there which was really neat and I still have that but I've not been able to find me you know because they were all inserts right um, yeah it sounds they, like very rare yeah it was kind of cool um but I, I still have that and um just uh, that's probably the most unique one that I've ever seen of, the, of myself other than just a um an error card or something sure. like that but um I just wondered if that's kind of that seems like that's more the market nowadays everything's a, a specialty I remember there for a while they were putting pieces of wood mm-hmm. on the card yep. from a bat or a piece of clothing you know oh yeah and they, st- the they still do a lot of that today they do, yeah, they they do a lot of that today and yes yeah, yeah and there's some companies that are even um i guess past pros or whatever they actually send cards to the guys they sign them and they put those in inserts or yeah. uh, maybe tops does that maybe not past pros but yeah there's a, there's a lot of the one probably my favorite braves card i own is and part of the reason i love it is just i pulled it from a pack about 15 years ago and it's a murph card and it's a it's autographed dale murphy for those listening autographed and two separate jersey patches and a piece of a, of a bat and it's low numbered and all that sort of things and it it looks cool he's wearing the powder blue you need to so <laughs> there we go so who I, I was thinking about this earlier today so i've baseball fan my whole life i've uh, worked for the team i grew up loving for this is my eighth season and certain things once you go to, from just being a fan to working in it some things change and your perspective on some things change but some things for me have remained pure like being in the ballpark for a walk-off home run that still gets me just as, as excited as it did when I was just a fan. Now that you're so heavily invested in business and sports cards, do you still, like if you get a big pull or a big hit in a pack, do you still get that, that thrill, that rush when, you, when, it, when it's a big one out of a pack? You get excitement from different things. You know, it's true. And one thing that anyone getting too heavy into sports cards as a business needs to consider <laughs> is that once you start doing anything in life as a business, um, it, it, it can take a little bit of the fun away from it being a hobby, right? right? So, you know, if you, that's something I think no matter what hobby you're into, if you're trying to turn your hobby into a business, you know, you got to think about that. Um, so for me, I, I, yes, I still enjoy opening packs. I still think it's a lot of fun to pull cards out of packs, but I also, you know, the, part of the challenge you have with opening packs once you're in the business for a while, like I am, is uh, opening packs and boxes is a bad investment. It's, you know, the, it's a little bit of a slot machine pull. You're nine times out of 10, the cards that are coming out of the box that you just bought are not going to be as valuable as the box itself. Now, one time out of 10 or something, you know, something like that, you may end up hitting a really big card and, and get a lot of great value out of that box, but, but not certainly not every time. And 
not most of the time. Um, and so, you know, if you're looking at sports cards more from a business standpoint and more from an investment standpoint, then you got to get your thrill from other things other than just opening packs. And I will still open packs sometimes. I do it with my son a lot. I, I enjoy it. But when I do it, I know that it's an entertainment expense. You know, it's if, if I'm going to do a packs or buy into a break, which I do often, um, it's entertainment. It's fun. But I like chasing. I like, you know, going after rare cards that I have interest in. And when I find them for sale, because they're not for sale all the time, right? So when I find them for sale, that's something that gets me excited. Like, you know, recently I've been looking at, for example, Babe Ruth autograph cards. There's hmm. not many of them out there in existence. Cards that were, you know, printed uh, obviously like in the 30s, 40s that Babe Ruth actually hand signed. Very few of those exist in the no world. No Sharpies back then. <laughs> right. Probably so, better off with it. Correct. Right. And so, that, I mean, that's a good hmm. point too. Like when you find one of those, how well has the signature held up? And that's true for any player from that era. A lot of times the signatures don't hold up particularly well. Um, but, you know, finding one of those types of cards, uh, you know, kind of gets me, gets me excited, you know. So I, that's what I look for. Um, completing, you know, going after certain types of sets that are not full sets, but like certain, certain um, uh, specific players that I'm going to collect specific cards of. Like I build out a really difficult... Uh, to build out LeBron James' collection of his refractor cards from his first um, seven years in, in basketball. And those are all very difficult. Topps Chrome refractor cards from those first seven years in PSA 10 are very difficult cards to find. And so it took me a little while to find one from you know each of those years, but eventually I got that together. And I, I think I, I might be the only person that has that complete set because the numbers on some of the cards are so low that it would be very difficult for somebody else to assemble hmm. the complete set. Um, so, um, you know, stuff like that is how you, how you get your thrill. Well, Jeff, we want to, we thank you for coming down here. Just last question for me. Uh, I've been into baseball cards basically my whole life since I started watching baseball for dire baseball fans who maybe haven't gotten into card collecting, but they, especially the last couple of years, the way the market's exploded, maybe they're interested in it. What would your advice be like just for, if they're interested in collecting or first getting, just dipping their toes in the water into the hobby, what would your advice be? Well, it is, it is a little complicated now. There's so many different, you know, sets. That's one thing. If you did a little bit as a kid and you get back into it now, you all of a sudden will be like, whoa, what are all these (laughs) different brands and types of cards, parallels, inserts, all this stuff that you have to figure out. And not everything is valuable. Not everything is worth buying, you know? Um, So do your, do your research, do your homework. And it's, and the nice thing is it's easy to do. There's a lot of great resources out there. So on YouTube, we put out a sports card investing 101 video series. Um, our sports card investing 101 video is a great place to start. It's I think it's about 45 minutes long, and it gives you the basic overview of all the basic things you need to know if you're going to get back into card collecting again. And then we did a, a, another one that was specific to baseball cards, where we you know talked about all the different baseball card brands and which ones you should pay attention to and which ones you may not want to pay attention to, uh, etc. And so. Um, those videos are out on YouTube. They're free to consume. If somebody searches sports card investor on YouTube or, or sports card investing 101 on YouTube, they'll find their way to those videos. And there's a lot of other content creators on YouTube that have created similar videos. There's also, you know, website articles on our website, sportscardinvestor.com, as well as a bunch of different websites. Um, so I would recommend consuming some content, learning a little bit about it, and download that sports card investor app that I mm-hmm. mentioned. It's free, and it's a great way to see the different types of cards. And I mean, you could put in 
in Acuna into the sports card investor app and, and you know, we probably have, you know, three or 400 of his cards in there that you can swipe through and see all the different ones and look at the different pricing of those cards and everything like that. So get a sense of, of what the market's like. I can vouch for the 101 video. So my fiance, <laughs> uh, she, she watched, uh, she was in her, she's purely, now I collect, I, you know, I'm not as much in selling stuff. I've sold some stuff, but I collect Virginia basketball cards, that sort of thing. She was all about, wait, you can make like, there's a, there's a, you can make money in this. There's a market. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. She's like, well, how do you get it? And so I showed her, she watched uh, a couple of the 101 videos and that's gotten her completely interested in it. And she's very much, she's, I, she's smart, much better with numbers and money than I am. So we're, we're a good pair in that way. But uh, she, I, I can vouch for the fact she, she learned a lot from those videos. So I, I can't recommend those enough. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for taking the time to come down here, man. We really appreciate it's it. It's been fun. Yeah, Absolutely. Fun. Appreciate you. it. Go Braves. That's there right. We go. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Our thanks again to Jeff Wilson from Sports Card Investor for joining us here on Behind the Braves, presented by Jostens. By the way, speaking of Jostens, I was just in, I've, you've heard me talk about this before, but I was just in the uh, the clubhouse store yesterday and looking around for Father's Day gifts. And I was thinking, I was like, you know, I think it's, I think my dad needs one of those big paperweights that Jostens yeah, sells, I the World that. Series. <laughs> uh, I've talked about it before and I think it's time. I think yeah. it's time to take the plunge. So can't, can't recommend enough. Jostens.com slash Braves uh, for all the world. World Series ring inspired merch. It's really, really cool. You're a diehard Braves fan listening to this show. I guarantee you there's going to be something at Jostens.com slash Braves that piques your interest and can meet at whatever price point you're interested in, too. It's, they, they start, I think there's products for as low as $30 all the way up to twenty five grand for a real a, actual World <laughs> Series ring. So they got you covered, whatever it is you're looking yep. for there. Father's Day gifts or just a, a treat yourself, whatever you're looking for. So thanks again to uh, Jostens for being our title sponsor. We very much appreciate them. Okay, Greg, so teams play them well. Uh, won five in a row as we're sitting here taping this. By the time this comes out, we'll have probably already played another game or two. But looking pretty good Road on the most recent road trip. Coming home. Should be a fun fun week at Truist Park. Got the, the Athletics coming to town. The Pirates coming to town. World Series replica ring giveaway, which those have been very popular. So uh, if you want one of those, there's only two more chances. And this Wednesday is, is one of them against the Athletics. June 8th, I believe. So get on out here and uh, check that out. Come see the Braves who are playing some good baseball. And I know you've got you've got one of my all-time favorite Braves coming for Alumni Sunday. Actually, wait a minute. Let me think about it. you got two of them. One of my all-time favorite Braves and one of my all-time favorite Braves, behind the Braves, guests on this mm. Alumni Sunday, right? I've, I've, am I right? Terry Pendleton and Marvin Freeman? Mm-hmm. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. Nice. Are you going to do Q&A? Are they doing autographs? What yeah, you got going? Yeah, we'll be out in the plaza again on Sunday, so come, come check them out. Uh, they're always, you know, these guys I've known forever. Uh, they're just uh, first class, and we appreciate them. I mean, yeah, you said it. The team's playing well, which is great. Uh, they're moving in the right direction. I know the fans are going to show up. This place will be packed. So summer's kicking off. We've got camps in full swing. We're getting ready to start our second week of camps, and we're going to be out at uh, Hopgood 
and uh, we're going to be in uh, South Cherokee at Twin Creeks for softball. So uh, if you haven't registered for softball, we still got spots available, and uh, you can go to braves.com slash clinics. Unfortunately, well, fortunately, all the baseball spots have been taken for the next uh, 11 weeks. But we do have spots available for softball. Love for you to come out and check out what we're doing there. We've got some tremendous instruction. We've got uh, young ladies from all over the country who play college softball who are teaching, um, led by um, Lisa Kimmy and Ashley who uh, Hilton, who are um, managing our instruction there for from the pitcher's mound. They're doing a great job. A lot of young ladies are coming out and seeing a lot of great softball being taught, which has been uh, great for us. So I'd love to, for you guys to be a part of that, braves.com slash clinics. Sweet. Definitely check that out. Well, come on out to Truist Park. Check out, uh, check out the camps. And, uh, hey. Check out Sports Card Investor, too, for if we appreciate Jeff coming down here today. So thank you to all of you for listening and rating, reviewing, subscribing, as always. We very much appreciate it. For Greg McMichael, I'm Ricky Mast. We'll see you next week on Behind the Braves.